Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of series of Shurim Daf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now on Masechet's Yoma Daf Samach Vav Amud Bet, looking at the second part of Mishnah Dalid of this, the sixth, sixth parak, continuing with our description of the Sa'ir Mishdalech and how it was sent out. We uh, just had it going off of the ramp. We're about to hear about the series of Sukkot and four different opinions about how many there were and the distance from Yushalayim to the cliff out in the desert where the Seir would be thrown off of. And these Sukkot were sort of way stations for the fellow who was accompanying him. So we find out that the dignitaries of Yushalayim would escort him till the first Sukkot. Now you've got to keep in mind that there are several issues here. One is that this fellow is going a significant distance out into the desert on Yom Kippur. The second thing is that there is an Isur of Tchumin on Yom Kippur, uh, and therefore he cannot go 2,000 Amot without having uh, the spot in between. He's going to be going that distance, but we want to have them set up in such a way that will solve that issue also, at least for the people in the Sukkot, as we will see. Eser Sukkot Mishalayim V'ad Tzuk Tishim Reis. So there were ten Sukkot, twelve Sukkot, ten Sukkot set up, sorry, between Yerushalayim and the cliff. It was a distance of ninety Reis, which is Shiva Mechza Lachol Mil. A Reis is, uh, is, uh, uh, seven and a half Reis make up a meal, which means that there's a total of twelve meal, which is roughly about eleven and so miles, uh, from Yerushalayim to the Tzuk. And there's Sukkot, one Sukkot, one Sukkot in between, which means there's roughly one Sukkot each meal. Remember that the Tchum of Shabbat is 2,000 amount, which is a meal. They would tell him, we have food, we have water here for you, and we'll find out what happened with that. And they would escort him from each Sukkot to the next, which of course allows you to uh, the people in the sukkah to walk that distance because for them it was in, within Tchum Shabbat. <laughs> Except for the last guy, can't go all the way. We'll see why. He stands from a distance and watches because the last distance from the sukkah to the tzuk was more than a meal. Now, the, obviously the fellow carrying it is not going to be limited by Tchum. Now, what would he do? He would have the strip of um, scarlet ribbon and he would divide it in two, uh, and, uh, and he would put, uh, half of it he would tie onto a rock that would stay up, was on top, and the other half would be on his, on the horns, uh, you tie between the two horns of the goat. He'd push the goat backwards, would roll down the hill, since the mountain was a craggy rock, he would get halfway down, and by that time, I shouldn't say very it's already in separate limbs, broken up. He'd come back to the last sukkah, and stayed there till the end of the day. Now, the, uh, Pasuk says, The fellow who takes it out there has to clean his clothes, meaning he has too much gadim. At what point are his begadim tamei? The minute he leaves the city of Yerushalayim, he says, no, after, at the point in which it's thrown down to the cliff. We'll see that um, that discussion also in the Gemara. That's the opinion in our Mishnah. It was only ten milin and nine sukkot um in in between them um and that was the distance from Yosemar Khamesukot Vasramilinayu 
Eruv. He says there were five Sukkot, half as many as Rabbi Yehuda, because you made an Eruv in between each Sukkah, so therefore there could be two meal between each Sukkah and the next. And the people from each Sukkah could go to, could go as far as the next, because their Shvita was in the middle. Amrabiyosi Sahli Allah Zarbani says, My son told me, If we're going to use an Eruv, then we could even have there be only two Sukkot, because uh, the people of Shalim could go out to Milim if they set up their Eruv halfway between Yerushalayim and the, and the first Sukkah, and the people of the one Sukkah could go out another Tumilim, and the other guys from the other Sukkah could come and greet him halfway and take him there and go f- and go out from there. In other words, you you instead of having one group carry, take him all the way to the next Sukkah, escort him, they could go halfway, and the other group could meet him halfway. Okay. Keman Azla Hadatanya Masav. Whose opinion is it that had that comment in the Mishnah that the last guy did not go all the way? Keman Kramer. That's like Kramer that says there were twelve, which means the last sukkah was two milim away from the Tsuk, and therefore they couldn't go as far, they could only go one. Now, nobody ever took advantage of the food and water that were there. But have, knowing that it's there makes it easier to deal with. Uh, if, he, if there were no water and, and food there, perhaps he'd be even hungrier and feel uh, more tired, etc. Why doesn't he just tie the whole uh, ribbon onto the rock? Because since the mitzvah is with the sayir, maybe it'll go white earlier. And he'll think everything's fine. He won't send it down properly. Why doesn't he tie it then the whole thing onto, and why is he tearing in half? Why don't he tie the whole thing between his horns? He answers, The goat might turn his head, and we won't be able to see whether it turned white or not. So we get a history of this. Originally, they didn't have the scarlet on the animal. They had it tied on on the outside of the ulam so everybody in the Azarah could see it. And at the point when the animal was thrown down the cliff, uh, it would, as an ace, turn white in the, in the, in, in where it was in front of the ulam. But not necessarily. If it didn't turn white, then they'd be all upset and, and, and embarrassed the fact that Hashem didn't forgive them. So they made a rule to put it on the inside of the ulam so that people wouldn't see it. But people would still peek in and the word would go out. So they made a rule, from now on, it's not going to be visible to anybody, it's going to be way out there, and then the fellow will come back and tell us what happened. He said originally it was done on the inside of the ulam. Automatically, whenever it would get out to the desert, even before it went down the cliff, it would get white. And they would know that the mitzvah was done. Based on the pasuk in Shayahu, if your skins are, if your sins are as scarlet, they will be 
uh, make made white like snow, and that's the basis for this whole nace of the red turning to white. And evidently, what this may be indicating is that in earlier years, when Hashem was forgiving us on a regular basis, that would happen. And then perhaps with later years, as we saw that with the um, later years of the Mikdash, things were not as good with the left hand and the right hand, Hashem and Lazazel, perhaps they were afraid that in some years it wouldn't turn and would set people so they had to go on out there. Are you allowed to get Hana'a from the parts of the of the goat that are broken up down there? So there's a machloket between Rav and Shmuel, and we don't know uh, who said what, but we have the uh, the the two the two opinions. And now, Mandam um, Mutarin, the position that said it's mutar dichtiv b'amid bar, because it says you throw them out in the midbar. In other words, it's hefker like the midbar. Mandam Asurin dichtiv, it's called eretz gzera. And so the notion is it's a severe thing. So you, 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 you have to deal with them as a surhana'a. Now, so what's the fellow who is stringent going to do with the word midbar? It shows up three times in the psukim. To tell you that you do this avodah even not just in the mishkan, but also in Shiloh, even in the bamag dolav, novet givon, and in the beit hamikdash. The lenient one, what does he do with Gzerah? It means cut up, which means that the animal has to be thrown in a place that's going to break it up. It has to be something that breaks up because you have these uh, these rocks um, that are going to break it up in on the cliff. Because I might think that this is all silliness. Therefore it says, Meaning, I made the decree. You don't have to have second thoughts about it. This is what it is. We'll see a little bit more about that. The position that was lenient is the more reasonable one. Why? Because the Torah is not going to tell you to send this goat out that that's going to, then going to lead to a takala because people will uh, will violate it by uh, by using the uh, the limbs and be violating meila. That would counter be counterproductive. Okay, Tanur Banan. We're going to have a little drasha on the word Azazel, the place where the animal is sent. She Azvekashe. Why is it Azazel? A hard place. Yachol by Yeshuv. I might think it's in the city. Tamalomar Bamidbar in the desert. Uminayin Shavatzuk. How do I know it has to be a cliff? Tamalomar Gzera, as we saw earlier, something that's going to break it up by sending it down. Tanyidach Azazel, we have another Brayta. Kashe Shibiharim. It has to be the hardest mountain. The strong men of the land. So El means strong. So Azazel means Az and El. Tanad Rebishmoel Azazel Shaper Amase Uzav Ve Azael. So Uzav and Azael, as Rashi points out, are Malachei Chabala Shiraduba Arts Naama Achotuvakain Valem Namar Vayubne Elim Bernahadam. This terrible sin. That's kind of the first. Sin that we hear about sort of massive gilur arayot, and the notion is that the sayer mishtaleach is there to to, to uh, achieve atonement for those sort of sins. Tanar um, banan and mishpatai taasu. Now this is a uh, general pasuk in uh, in uh, how do you call it in uh, in vayikra after the part of achrimot that we read on Yom Kippur, at the beginning of the part that we actually read in, on, in the afternoon of Yom Kippur, and this introduces the Arayot, and that's why this is mentioned here. 
keep my laws. According to this interpretation, a mishpat is something that is reasonable and should be written, and even if it weren't written, it should have been written. Gazel, Birchat Hashem, cursing God's name. These are all things that we would understand, and we understand why they're prohibited. What's that? These are things that the world and the Satan tests us on and, and challenges us and says they don't make sense. Forbidden foods, Vishat Shatnez, not wearing Shatnez, Chalitzat Yevamad, Yevamad, Shu, etc., ceremony, Tarat Mitzorah, which is filled with strange rituals, Sarimishtalech, which is odd. You think that these are all insignificant or strange things? The pasuk ends on Hashem, meaning Ani Hashem Chaktiv. I am Hashem who was Mechakek, may engrave this law, as it were. And the Chavashut Laharban, you don't need to give it a second thought or to inquire after it. It is my law. Okay, at the end of the Mishnah, we said At what point is there Tumat Gadim for the Mishaleach? Tanar Baran Hamishaleach Metameh Gadim. So Hamashalech, meaning the fellow who escorts him, is Gadim. But the guy who sends him out, or the escorts, don't have Tumat Gadim. I might think that his Tumat Gadim is the minute he walks out of the Azara with the animal. So you have to be already out towards the desert. I might think that therefore it's only when he gets to the cliff that he's and the hay is to say that as soon as he's out in the desert. That's Rabbi Yudah's position, like our Mishnah. Rabbi Yosemar Azazel Bechibes. He has to get to Azazel, and then it's Tamei. Hashigiel Atzuk. He has to get to the cliff. Rabbi Shimon, as we saw in the Mishnah, says, "I'm Shalech Tazel Azazel Bechibes Kada," meaning Zorkob Avat Rosh Betamei Begadim. It's only when he throws it down, he's done the mitzvah of Shiluach, and at that point he has accomplished Tumat Begadim. Okay, we'll pick it up with the next Mishnah and Daf Samach Zayin Amud Bet. Uh, and that will take us to, uh, the next podcast will take us to the end of this, the sixth parak about the Sa'ir HaMishtaleach. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.